Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Data Center Frontier Show podcast. I'm Matt Vincent, Editor-in-Chief of Data Center Frontier. I'm joined here uh, with my uh, counterpart, uh, David Chernikoff. Um, we're here today with uh, Dan Crosby. He's the CEO of uh, Legend Energy Advisors. Uh, joined here today with uh, his uh, colleague, Ralph Rodriguez. He's uh, industrial uh, sales lead, RCDD for Legend EA. So uh, thanks, uh, Dan and uh, Ralph, for joining us here today on the podcast. Thanks for having us. And uh, Dan, let's just uh, dive right into it. Uh, we're pretty familiar with uh, Legend uh, EA from uh, from what we've read online and on LinkedIn. But for those of us in our audience who uh, might not be familiar with Legend Energy Advisors and uh, Legend Analytics, can you give us um, a little uh, bit of a uh, you know background on the, on the your own background, uh, the company's background, and uh, the platform itself? Yeah, so uh, my background was in construction and energy brokerage for a number of years before founding Legend. Uh, and really the, the basis of it was helping customers understand how they're using energy uh, and how to use it better so that they can actually interact with markets more proactively, um, intelligently. And then also that helps, you know, reduce your carbon footprint in the process. You know, our kind of mantra is it doesn't matter whether you're trying to save money or save the environment. You're going to do both of those things through efficiency. Um, which will also let you navigate markets more efficiently. And so we have, you know, there's basically three major parts of our service that are all interconnected. And it's really where the customer is on their life cycle journey. So we do commodity risk and power and gas markets. And then we have the Legend Analytics platform um, that, you know, we built from the ground up to help customers understand how they're using energy um, and how to do that more efficiently. And then in between that, we have an infrastructure service where we're doing transmission, substation interconnections, pipeline taps, uh, for customers that are either expanding facilities uh, or what's going on in the data center space a lot right now is actually bringing in uh, power to new sites, um, which is you know, obviously a challenge. So whether it's customers just trying to manage market risk or they're actually wanting to see real-time PUE and understand how to make a data center more efficient, um, all the way down to billing tenants at a rack level um, is something we can do in the Legend Analytics platform. So um, can you give us a sort of a picture of uh, how specifically uh, the, the, the platform would work uh, with a uh, data center uh, customer? Yeah. So, you know, there's basically different levels of uh, metering within a facility. So obviously at the, at the highest level, it's just macro uh, metering of what's going on with the utility. Um, and, you know, depending on how a power contract structured and whether it's in a, de a deregulated market or a regulated market, um, we would interact with utilities differently. In fact, we've had situations where we've gone in and actually negotiated custom tariffs um, for, for uh, customers in regulated markets, uh, which a lot of times they don't realize is, is a possibility. Um, and so that's kind of the highest level metering would be real time looking at what's going on in the main meter. If there's solar installed, we can see whether they're importing power or exporting power. Um, and then that can work its way all the way into, you know, your P, the, UPSs all the way down to PDUs, all the way down to the rack level, um, and actually producing tenant invoices. Um, and so, you know, we do temperature monitoring in the same uh, system. So you can really see what's going on within a facility, how much each part of this facility is consuming in real time. Uh, and then all of the carbon reporting and uh, scope one, scope two uh, emissions at whatever granularity level that 
you want to see is all automatically produced by that system at the same time. And that's kind of one of the big areas of opportunity is there's, there's a lot of companies that are spending a lot of money to you know, retrospectively pull together their you know, scope one, two, and potentially three reporting. Um, we're doing all of that in real time. So when you get to the end of the year, all of that reporting is totally automated, but you've actually been able to do something about it all year versus just saying what happened last year and you're probably halfway through this year with no idea what's going on this year and won't find out until you know Q1 next year. So that's one of the big differentiators um, between you know way some companies are doing it retroactively and some companies are you know being much more proactive. Yeah. So it comes to the customer as kind of like a uh, as a service uh, kind of uh, software. Software as a service, yes. And 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 it also includes consulting uh, that it goes along with that or Correct. So it depends on the customer engagement. So we don't have a box that we're trying to convince customers, you know, here's the box and we can shove you in it. Um, it's really, where is the customer in the life cycle? What are they trying to accomplish? And a lot of times we're working on a portfolio uh, where there's a whole bunch of different things. So there may be, you know, existing facilities that are kind of a mess. They're asking us to come in and look at power contracts. Can they be, you know, redone? Uh, is there metering that can be changed or data we can collect? all the way through stuff that's under construction or greenfield projects are looking at saying, hey, we need to be in you know, this market in Ohio. You know, what is available on these different transmission lines? What are the new um, you know, capacity that's coming available? What do forward capacity and transmission markets look like? Um, and, and that kind of stuff. So it, it really depends on where the customer is in the journey, but specifically the Legend Analytics platform um, is a software as a service, which can be either you know, done standalone or can be part of an overall package that we would build for the customer that has some of those consulting services um, and advisory services as well in it. It sounds like a really uh, useful uh, resource for uh, data center builders. David, did you want to get in on uh, some questioning here? Our thought is all the things that you're talking about monitoring tend to have their own tools already. So how do you integrate with the various pile of tools from, from, from broad DCIM solutions to individual point solutions provided by specific vendors to monitor their PDUs or to monitor, uh, you know, the, the electric usage from me at the meter or any of those nature of things. So honestly, that was one of the first challenges that we had to tackle. So when we first started getting into the real-time data space, you know, one of the, we tried to actually outsource it. Um, and the problem was, is there are so many different tools out there. Um, a lot of them are industry specific. A lot of them are equipment specific. Um, and a lot of them are, you know, where someone is basically trying to lock up that data and force you down a path. Uh, and so one of the biggest challenges in building the system and the reason that we built it from scratch was one security. Um, the, the level of security, I mean, we're tied into operational technology in a lot of companies that are you know, Fortune 100 companies. So being able to see and, and see and get that data securely um, was a huge thing that we realized we just couldn't outsource. And then being able to literally talk to anything um, was another you know, major aspect of our business. I mean, we're, we're in the energy space um, and energy is used by you know, everything out there. And so you know, even beyond the, the data center space, we needed to have a platform that could bring all of this operational data in which at the end of the day is really what's driving energy usage. Um, and so understanding what's going on operationally so you can understand how that's impacting the usage and then how that's actually impacting you in the market 
um, and the risk that it's exposing you to and the opportunities that it creates, just as importantly, um, is really critical. And so we're not, we're completely agnostic to systems that are out there. Um, and a decent percentage of what we're doing is actually gathering data from systems that are in place, but there's disparate systems that the customer's having to try to you know, choreograph what's going on in a bunch of other you know, disparate systems. And so we can bring that all into one dashboard and now start applying AI to it uh, to understand what is driving you know, different parts of the process. And that's kind of the most fun part, I guess, is you don't know what you don't know. And we have yet to have a case where we came into a facility, started pulling all of that data together and hadn't had some kind of significant, wait a minute, I had no idea that was affecting that. Um, and that is actually driving you know, this cost in the market, which we can do something about and the ROI on it's significant. So depending on where the customer is, if there's already you know, DCIM systems, power metering and temperature monitoring and a bunch of other uh, pieces of parts that are already there, then we can tie into that. And then if a customer wants to, is doing some greenfield, they want to do it all organically, uh, we can do that as well. And so all the power metering, all the temperature monitoring, and bring it all into one um, system from the outset. And the beauty is across a portfolio, you know, you may have a whole bunch of existing systems that need to come in, and then you have a whole bunch of new systems that you need to create. And you can have all of that interlocking with one system that now is interacting with the markets and really helping you drive budgets, both from a financial perspective, as well as a you know, safety and use and, and making sure you're staying under KW and amperage thresholds. And then from an environmental perspective of what kind of targets and baseline you have, and then where are you trying to accomplish and really driving all of those things in, in real time. So as far as third-party systems, we're completely agnostic. If something can produce a signal, we can talk to it, literally. On, uh, Dan, on the, on the environmental uh, side, uh, it, it, the uh, emissions uh, uh, tracking uh, component was highlighted to me. Can you, can you drill down uh, a little uh, into that uh, part of the platform uh, with regard to uh, yeah. sustainability, ESG conversations that you might be having with data center operators? Sure. And that, you know, it's something that's been, we've been talking about ESG and environmental um, attributes since probably 2015-ish. Uh, and, you know, over the last couple of years, that's taken a pretty significant turn uh, where there's now entire departments um, in companies where we were explaining what that was in 2018. Um, and so being able to, you know, we see a tremendous amount of guessing um, and estimating and kind of backcasting that's being done in that space right now. And so the problem is, is, is the data isn't accurate and it's not useful. Um, and so being able to gather all of that in real time um, and, and do something about it uh, has been a game changer for a lot of people that are just spending a lot of money on reporting on something retrospectively. In fact, we've got a major oil and gas company, for example, we went across all of their North American markets um, for all of their scope two emissions reporting. And that was the point is, you know, let's make this accurate. We found out some of their markets, you know, there were some significant issues in the way it was reported, but because we understand energy markets and how all of these bills are being created, we found a situation where there was $100,000 a month in demand charges they were getting charged that were an error. Um, and so, you know, the entire payback in the next couple of years um, of that reporting was all paid for um, because we understand far more than just taking what's on the bill, taking its word for it, and here's your reporting. Um, and now we've taken all that data, you know, 
one, fix those problems. And now all of that data is now real time and getting reported to them on a monthly basis rather than a previous annual basis um, going forward. And I guess one of the other things, you know, kind of going back to the um, conversation a minute ago from pulling from all these different systems, especially uh, for scope one, that can be really important. We're actually uh, rolling out a new device uh, called the Ledge, in fact, I've got a prototype of it here. Um, so this will literally be able to talk to anything completely securely. Um, so even when we're using cellular communication, it's all behind our own private APNs, it does go on the public internet, um, and literally any point of data can come here. And this is the problem, is everybody has all these different disparate systems, and there's a million software platforms out there that if you bring them the data, then they can show you a bunch of cool charts and, and maybe put some AI. Yeah. Getting that data, getting it with high fidelity and high security in real time is critical. Um, and that's why we've gone to this is we, we need to have that gateway on site that can grab any piece of data from anywhere and bring it to our cloud securely and with high fidelity. Um, and so that's one of the things that we're rolling out here. And this is the Rev A of the board that came out a couple months ago. Yeah. Rev B, which is production, comes out in December. Um, and that's going to be a big game changer in the speed and lowering cost to getting real-time data um, in the data center space and beyond. Right. Yeah. For uh, for our audience out there who might uh, just be listening to this, uh, uh, Dan uh, was just holding up a uh, a circuit board for that. That seems uh, to me like uh, like a differentiate different sorry differentiator i was going to ask you about that because so it's so the platform has a hardware uh, component so this is this is going to uh, come standard uh, with the uh, with the as a service uh, part of this this just goes on site in a server and uh, uh, just performs uh, that aspect of uh, of things of, of talking to anything that you that you just described Right, so it's it can go on site anywhere in any environment. In fact, it'll even be class one div two certified. Um, and so the point of that is being able to get data from the point that it's collected and have that custody transfer all the way to the cloud to the front end reporting. So especially for a lot of this third party certification and things that are required, some of the new legislation in California, for example, um, all of that can be certified from literally the point the data is collected to where it's actually reported, all of that custody chain is completely tracked and completely secure, uh, which a lot of other platforms, especially just software only platforms can't say because they're basically relying on whatever data source that they get to and data collection is hard. And that was a huge part of what I spent four or five years in all kinds of different facilities and some really tough like washdown environments um, where we, you, you know, getting high fidelity data is very difficult and we have really spent years mastering that, you know, the fidelity of the data and the security of the data and making that scalable uh, was something that we had to overcome in order to you know, be who we are and want to have the impact on the market that we want to have the impact. Um, this question goes to, it's, it was a question that David asked uh, in uh, our pre-meeting uh, uh, before uh, this, uh, like what's, what's, what are the differences in uh, gathering uh, energy data for, uh, it seems like you've you know, started off with a lot of uh, industrial and process manufacturing type sites. What's the difference between gathering data for manufacturing and industrial sites and uh, doing it uh, for the uh, data center uh, sector? Is it, uh, you know, is it 
are there key differences in, in the way the platform operates across those two different uh, industries? Really, there isn't. Um, you know, industrial data obviously has a lot of physical challenges that you don't have in a data center. Um, you know, a data center is a very clean, secure um, environment versus a you know, steel mill or a poultry plant or sand mine, um, you know, coastal port facilities that we're operating in. But the challenge of gathering the data and the volume of data is similar. Um, and so the reason we started in some of the industrial environments is if we can get stable um, there, we can be stable anywhere. And so that was the, the reason for starting there and not going the other direction is if you start out in office buildings or data centers or some of these you know, relatively simple places, it's easy. Um, and you can do a lot of things that you can't do um, in the industrial environment. But the whole point of this was to try to scale it down and make it as simple as possible. Uh, and one of the things that we're doing right now, we actually deployed a smart city system in Florida where we had three miles of wireless, totally encrypted um, communications on mission critical equipment. Um, and so we're now, we've now brought that into the data center and office uh, environment where like we have an office building in New York that's 60 stories and we have um, steam monitoring on the 40th floor that's speaking to the lobby, um, all wirelessly, totally encrypted in real time. Uh, and so especially when you get into bigger systems and you, they, and especially if it's not critical data, um, you can save a tremendous amount of cabling, um, which obviously the data center isn't that big of a deal. Um, but some of these bigger environments where you're having to run you know, hundreds of feet of cable and chases or difficult environments, um, that's a game changer um, to be able to very quickly deploy. But more importantly, it's cost. You know, one of the big barriers to entry uh, for a lot of this data collection is there's so much hardware, so many different vendors involved and installation involved that the cost um, gets to a point where the, the customer just doesn't feel like the ROI is there. And so we've been very focused on bringing that cost down as much as we possibly can to lower the barrier of entry of getting to that real-time data, uh, because that's really where the power is. Understood. Uh... David, uh, you want to chime in uh, on uh, with anything here? Well, I think you touched on, on most of my questions with this. Like, um, just to, to make it real clearer to our listeners, and you know, I, I'm not expecting a, you know you actually mentioned a direct customer name, but can you can you walk us through how you would an actual situation where you've implemented for a data center customer what you've actually done? Yeah, so a lot of the work, most of the work we're currently doing in the data center space is all around infrastructure and getting power to sites, um, which is a is a huge challenge. Um, and then, you know, really, it's been mainly on the macro uh, power metering side of how is that site going to interact with the market, um, and then managing commodity risk, especially across a portfolio that has regulated and deregulated markets. Um, but, you know, overall, whether those profit centers are, are treated the same or differently. Um, and so that's a, a major area that we've been, you know, really focused in the data center space. We're just now getting into the branch level um, circuit and, and billing of customers. And I think that's one of the, you know, things that's been curious to me about the data centers is you know, power is core, um, you know, to a data center's functionality. Uh, and it, it seems like there's still a tremendous amount of struggling with real-time billing and real-time data and real-time analytics. 
Um, and we actually started out with the tenant billing um, in the commercial office space, again, because it was harder, um, you know, where we have literally hundreds of meters uh, within a couple million square foot office building. We're producing all of those tenants invoices every month. And we're also producing all of those tenants CO2 footprint uh, every month. And they actually have access to the platform individually as a tenant. So they can monitor their power usage in real time and they can monitor their uh, carbon footprint in real time. And we've done that for some major, I mean, stock exchanges, you know, global insurance companies, um, you know, big attorney, uh, government attorney's offices. Uh, and we have a major gold vault um, that we're working on right now. It's one of the biggest gold vaults in the United States um, that we're going to be doing all of the power metering for. And so, you know, again, kind of going back to the security, but you're now putting the that visibility and power to do something in a tenant's hands. Um, and the same thing's true in the data center space where they can actually see uh, what their energy consumption is all the way down to a rack level. Um, and I think it brings a little bit of parity too, because a lot of times that, you know, customers complain in the data center space about temperature um, and they've got all sorts of real-time monitoring on that, obviously, but they're, the tenants going over KW relatively you know, regularly. And a lot of times the data center isn't seeing it. Um, and so kind of bringing, putting everybody on equal footing uh, is a, a big thing that our platform does in the data center space of the data center operator sees on an instantaneous basis, you know, what racks are actually using, are they going over the KW um, that they've contracted for? And, and also what does, what are the different load profiles on a cage or rack level basis look like as far as what, how is that impacting the overall power costs, especially in uh, capacity and transmission costs, which are, you know, materially changing um, in some of the markets in the US. How are those tenants individually impacting that? Is that cost being passed through uh, appropriately? And if it's not, we'll actually design how that um, billing system works. Um, and, and every you know, sub-tenant billing system that we've, we work with customers has a whole lot of optionality in it on how they wanna pass those costs through um, from you know, straight square footage basis to real-time uh, demand and how are they actually impacting that 5CP interval for that specific transmission grid, whether that's ERCOT, PJM, New York ISO. Um, all of that can be passed through exactly how it's created in the market or kind of an amalgam um, in between. And we see all those different scenarios based on how leases are created um, or how the you know profitability or profit center for the building owner um, or data center operator uh, is, is created. Got it. Well, you're really, uh, you know, providing a great uh, illustration uh, of of uh, the platform uh, for me uh, that that I didn't have before, uh, just from uh, from reading about it. But uh, I want to touch on uh, the first thing you said in that answer, which was you're talking about the uh, the infrastructure challenges and just getting uh, power to a data center site. I wanted to ask you if there was anything else on that. And then I have to ask you as somebody who's uh, got there, really sounds like you you guys have got your finger uh, on the pulse of uh, where data centers are, are being built. Uh, what what markets are you most excited about for uh, upside for uh, for data centers in, in, uh, in terms of uh, power availability? I mean, we've written recently about Reno and stuff and uh, Atlanta. So I just kind of wanted to get a poll uh, from from uh, from you, yeah. James, on uh, what the uh, hottest uh, 
where the most uh, upside markets are for for power and data centers. Sorry for rambling on there. No, it's all good. So, I mean, obviously, power constraint is a huge challenge right now. Um, and you know, it's been interesting to kind of watch the data center space over the last ten years, moving from you know, five and twenty megawatt data centers being a big deal to we have several customers that work on gigawatt um, scale projects. Uh, and so, you know, in a lot of cases, the power availability just isn't there. Um, you know, we've seen that in Northern Virginia, um, you know, ERCOT's having some really significant uh, challenges, especially in West Zone, which really more pertains to the Bitcoin um, guys. Uh, we're seeing a lot of movement in Ohio uh, right now in a couple of different parts of the state. Um, you know, I think one of the transitions or, or changes is you're seeing people that are starting to build fiber to power. Um, rather than trying to get fiber or get power near fiber. Uh, and I, I think that trend is going to continue, um, you know, just because of the power availability. You know, one of the benefits is we work with so many industrials. Uh, we are seeing a number of opportunities where, you know, industrial customers are closing plants down. We're on a couple of those right now um, that have, you know, 138 KV connections and extra transformer bays already there. Uh, and so, you know, then the question is, can we get fiber to this site um, that is of size or, you know, is it a site that just doesn't need that much fiber? Uh, and so I think that's one of the, you know, kind of cool things is, is even, you know, especially in the Rust Belt, some of these other areas where you have uh, facilities that are getting shut down, um, being able to reutilize that uh, power capacity and it's, it's getting soaked up, um, you know, very quickly. Um, you know, a couple of the marks you mentioned, Reno and Atlanta are obviously regulated markets, um, which bring, you know, a different set of challenges than deregulated markets like, you know, Ohio and even Northern Virginia. Virginia has some deregulation um, to it with Dominion uh, and some things you can do there. Texas is obviously a, a totally open market with no capacity, although there's some very significant things happening there. Um, you know, kind of in light of URI, where they're trying to create some quasi capacity markets. Uh, one of which had you know, huge impacts on cost here uh, back in July, August time period. Um, I think the other thing that we're starting to see more of uh, is people actually looking at on-site generation. Um, you know, and, the, and you know, the conversation of Nuke is a whole other conversation um, that I feel like I've been having for a long time. But um, that that kind of page has seemed to turn in the last twelve months. Um, yeah. That you know, more people are getting on board. In fact, I met with one of our uh, investors last week, you know, his background was a nuclear engineer, a submarine, and he's going, and <laughs> I lived that under the water for years. Um, and so, so I think on-site generation is going to become a big part of the, especially the big data center, and, and maybe not even just for actual power generation, but voltage stabilization. Um, especially when you get to, to big size, that's one of the things that we're, we're seeing is some, some generation there at the end of the line um, is going to be required if you want to have stable voltage at the level that you're pulling. Uh, and so, you know, and batteries can play a role in that as well. And so there's, there's a lot of, of very dynamic things happening um, in the data center space right now around that and, and you know, enjoying it, um, getting kind of a front row seat of, watching some of those things and helping create them, um, which is, you know, really the, the kind of joy and passion I have for the data center space. Uh, Dan, I'm glad you uh, touched on uh, on-site generation because that was uh, my uh, last uh, question. Well, I feel like we've uh, 
we've covered it uh, pretty thoroughly. Um, I know that you, you're, uh, you know, still uh, uh, on the uh, road uh, with the platform. What's the uh, what's uh, twenty twenty four going to look like for uh, Legend uh, and uh, Legend Analytics uh, before we uh, wrap up here? So we've got uh, we got a lot going on. We're actually doing a capital raise right now, um, and part of that is going to be rolling out our two version. Uh, the other piece is rolling out the ledge, uh, really starting to scale that with some of its wireless capabilities. Um, so there'll be a ledge micro that we're rolling out in 2024 um, that'll be able to gather a lot more data remotely um, and still have you know completely end-to-end -end encryption, which is going to be a, a big um, shift in being able, you know, cost and speed of deployment. So that's really kind of what we're focused on here at the end of 2023 and moving into, into 2024. Understood. Well, uh, thanks again, Dan, and uh, thank you, uh, Ralph, uh, for setting uh, this uh, talk up for us. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a real education, and uh, really happy to learn about the Legend uh, Energy Advisors uh, and uh, Legend Analytics uh, platform. And uh, hopefully, uh, we can uh, stay in touch. Uh, maybe uh, circle back uh, in the uh, you know not too far future and get a further update on uh, on how it's going for your company. Sounds good. Outstanding. Thanks for having us, Matt, David. Thank you.